Amen. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. And on earth, peace toward men. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, what? Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. We're here this morning to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us, and it is a beautiful thing. Amen. Amen. We want to welcome you here to First Baptist New Orleans. This is Christmas on Canal. Yes. Christmas on Canal at First Baptist New Orleans. If this is your first time or your first time in a long time, we just want to say we are so glad you're here. We are honored that you've chosen to be here with us this morning. We actually have a, a, a gift for you after the service is over in the back. If this is your first time with us, uh, we'd love to get that to you. Also, if you don't mind, fill out that little information tab that's on your worship guide that you received when you came in. We are so glad that you're here this morning to celebrate the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, it is Christmas time-ish, all right? So let's stand to our feet. Let's turn to someone you have not spoken to yet and wish them a Merry Christmas this morning. As y'all are making your way back to your seats this morning, the kids are getting ready to sing for us. From that scripture verse I just read, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. As you make your way back, we're going to worship this morning.
Let's stand to our feet this morning. We're going to sing together.
We are counting the weeks until Christmas. We don't count the number of days exactly, but each Sunday we focus in on one of the wonderful blessings of Jesus, hope, love, joy, and peace. This year, instead of representing these themes with a wreath of candles, we've placed them as gifts under the tree. Each Sunday we'll bring one gift out and with the words of a favorite Christmas carol, remember all that Jesus has done for us. So let's celebrate Advent together. Today we are celebrating the gift of love. Love came down at Christmas. Love our lovely love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Star and angels gave the sign. Worship we the Godhead. Love incarnate, love divine. Worship we our Jesus, but wherewith for a sacred sign. Love shall be our token. Love shall be yours and love be mine. Love to God and all men. Love for plea and gift and sign. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our son. We thank you that you sent him to this earth. And we thank you for the gift of love that you gave us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. I bring you good news. Good news. Good news of great joy for all people. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. The Lord. Mary will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So throughout this holiday season, we're going to be looking at the words of angels. Good news from angels. Uh, visiting these angelic encounters that Joseph and Mary and Zechariah and others experienced at the time of Jesus' birth. And today we're going to Matthew chapter 1 for the good news from the angel. And we're beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph... But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because, her, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So this is the beginning. This is how it all came about. This is the Genesis. The Greek word we would transliterate Genesis is used in the first verse of the New Testament in Matthew 1.1, and it's used again here in Matthew 1.18. This is the beginning. There's a book of Genesis in the Old Covenant. It starts the Bible, and Matthew starts the second part of the Bible, the New Testament, and he's talking about the Genesis also. This is how it all began with Jesus, the Messiah. When I was in the Holy Land uh, some time ago, the guide said that uh, he was going to take us to a city named Zapori or Sepphoris. And I'd never heard of that city before. It's not mentioned in the Bible. It's only about six miles from Nazareth, though. And we went into Zapori, and sure enough, it was a thriving community, apparently, in the first century. And uh, near unto Nazareth, there were synagogues there and trade routes that intersected in Zapori. 
As he took us up on a hill, there was a large home that had been excavated on the side of that hill. And it looked like somebody important lived there. And he said, now this is the home where Mary grew up. Well, I don't think he really knew that. I think that was speculation. And it was based on the idea that her parents, who are traditionally known as Joachim and Anna, were prominent people in that community. And that they would have a prominent home, and this being the most prominent home that they had excavated in Zapori, they figured it was the home of Mary. Nonetheless, I went down and I walked around the ruins of that home. And it was a very fine house. And I thought about little Mary running around that house. There was a home somewhere where Mary lived as a child. There were parents that she had. And she experienced life probably in a more privileged way than Joseph, whom she married. Joseph lived in Nazareth. This was six miles away from Zapori. Joseph had a home there. And we believe that Joseph was a good bit older than Mary. Mary was probably 14 when she became engaged to Joseph. That would have been a normal age for that time. And so she was very young. Joseph disappears from the story of Jesus after Jesus turns 12. We find him at the temple at age 12, and then he's not mentioned again in the Scripture. And so we assume that he died and that he might have been older than Mary. And some people think that maybe he had children. So Joseph actually might have had a home where he had lived a long time there in Nazareth and maybe even a family, certainly parents and extended family that were part of his home in Nazareth. And he loved Mary and he intended to marry her, to consummate that marriage. Back then, if you were engaged, you'd already entered into a legal contract and in order to get out of that obligation, you had to be divorced. It was a little bit different than it is now. And Joseph, of all things, discovered that Mary was pregnant. She was found to be pregnant. It doesn't say that she told Joseph she was pregnant. She was found to be pregnant. I don't know what could have disturbed their home and their relationship more than this news. And the scripture says that Joseph began to think what he should do. He had been a man faithful to the law, trying to keep uh, the commands of God. Uh, he, he went to the synagogue, and he wanted to live out his life as a faithful follower of God. And here now, the one he loved, the one to whom he was betrothed, was pregnant. And Joseph knew for sure that he was not the father. He was distressed. He was perplexed. He was thinking about these things and wondering what to do. He didn't know who the father was. And maybe he wondered if that stranger would come and claim this child one day. He didn't know if Mary had been raped. He didn't know what had happened. So he decided in his mind this is what he was going to do. He was going to divorce her quietly. He didn't want her stoned, which was a possibility. He didn't want anything bad to happen to her. So he thought, I'll just divorce her very quietly. We won't get married, 
and maybe she won't suffer too many repercussions for having become pregnant uh, without being married. And an angel came to him in a dream as he contemplated these things and he had kind of decided in his mind. With Zechariah, the angel was standing there beside the table of incense. You remember from uh, Luke chapter 1? And he was in the holy place and he saw this angel and it scared him. Well, Joseph has a dream. He has dreams like you have dreams. You don't take every dream and act on it. Dreams are sometimes crazy, wild things. And you wake up in the middle of the dream and you're not thinking, oh, that's going to happen. You're falling. All of a sudden you wake up and you just forget that dream as afraid as you might be. But they knew that in the patriarchal time with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and at other times in the Scripture, God spoke through dreams. And Joseph had this dream where an angel came to him. And the angel said to him, Mary is pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Do not be afraid to take her home as your wife. That's heavy news. It's astonishing news. And Joseph believed. Zachariah didn't believe when the angel was standing right there in front of him in the holy place. And you remember the angel got upset at Zechariah and he couldn't talk until John was born because he didn't believe what the angel said. But in his dream, Joseph heard that angel and Joseph believed what the angel said. Some people think that Christmas is a story that is idyllic and romantic and makes you feel good and it's all about the goodness in the world and you know that's not really the Christmas story the Christmas story is about a pregnancy it starts with this trouble that Mary and Joseph are in and though they believe the angels and what they say to them friends and family continue to ridicule them and they suffer the consequences of her pregnancy outside of marriage. I don't know what disturbing or troubling circumstances might be in your life this Christmas, but I'll bet there are some. There's somebody here who's grieving, and it's hard to think about Christmas without the one you've loved. There's somebody here who's had a change in your relationships, and it's hard to think about Christmas with that relationship gone. Somebody here has a troubled situation and a difficult time, and Christmas doesn't seem very easy this year. I want you to know that when life happens, we should respond in faith and love. And that is part of the message of Joseph and Mary and the Christmas season. The angels sang, over the fields. The first Noel came from the angels.
Joseph is challenged by this angel to believe that a miracle has happened. That Mary is pregnant, though she is still a virgin, and has not known a man. And that is called the supernatural conception. That Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, the angel giving this news to Joseph... It's not in a vacuum for Joseph. Joseph has all his life expected the Messiah to come, that God's promised one would come. This was part of his heritage. They thought about it every day. They anticipated that the king was going to come. He would be the king of Israel, and he would sit on David's throne forever, and that's who they were waiting for and longing for and hoping for. And they had this expectation throughout the Old Covenant. It started way back in Genesis, the third chapter of the Bible, where Adam and Eve sinned and they ate the forbidden fruit at the temptation of this serpent. And God promised at that time that the seed of the woman, and it's real clear in the text, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And so not only did they have the promise of Isaiah that a virgin would conceive and bear a son, which is quoted here in our text, but all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, there is this notion that God is going to send this special one, this Messiah, and he is going to deliver us, and he will be the king. And Joseph hears the angel in that context, and he believes what the angel said that this child born of Mary would have no earthly biological father, but instead he was conceived through the activity of the Holy Spirit, and he believed. Now, God wants you to believe this miracle too. God wants you to believe this miracle, as unlikely, as unusual as it seems. You do believe in God. Most people do. You do believe God created the heavens and the earth. Most people do. They believe in God and that He made all things and that He is the supreme one. Is it really that hard to believe that God through the Holy Spirit moved in Mary's body and that she conceived a child who is the promised one. Now, here's what God was doing in Jesus. God was becoming a human being. That, too, is a startling notion, that God would become flesh in Jesus of Nazareth. But this is the story which we rehearse on Christmas. This is not simply a feel-good story. The heart of this story is that God, who promised His people He would send the Messiah, did so, and that the incarnation of God in human flesh began with this supernatural conception that was followed by the virgin birth of Jesus on Christmas morning. And we are asked to believe that this miracle of the miraculous conception, this supernatural conception, began the incarnation of the Creator God in human flesh, and that it ended with the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, so that God 
was fully human in Jesus of Nazareth, though not merely human. That's what it means when we say God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. The poet said, it was a silent night. It was a holy night when the promised one was born.
So God intervenes in our world. He does a miracle in the life of a young lady named Mary. And she conceives a child in her womb. And Jesus is born on Christmas Day. And the challenge of this story is not just to believe the miracle. But to receive the Savior. You will call his name Jesus, the angel said, and that name has a long history in the people of Israel. Joshua is the Old Testament, the the Hebrew name for Jesus. He was the successor to Moses, and he was captain of the hosts of Israel who conquered the promised land and set up the nation of Israel. That was Joshua. And God said to him, do not be afraid, neither be thou dismayed. The Lord is with you everywhere you go. He was the captain of the hosts. And then there was Joshua, the high priest, who reigned during the time when they came back from Babylon, from the exile. And he too was highly revered by his people. And Jesus is the captain of our salvation, the Joshua of our salvation, and he is our high priest as well. So his name is very important. It means Jehovah saves. And the angel says, call him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, the Christmas story deals with realities. And the reality is, that every person in this room and all humans who have ever breathed breath are sinners in need of a Savior. It hasn't been too long ago that an atheist came to church and after I got through speaking, he confronted me in the hallway and he was irate and ranting at me. 
and later we met for coffee and he apologized for his behavior and he said to me I really wish there was a savior there's a there's a moral code outside of your head and heart outside of your family tribe and clan outside of your nation outside of your heritage there's a code outside of all human experience that is there no matter what we do and we acknowledge that code of behavior a code of moral conduct all over the earth and every human being has ever been born and drawn breath on the planet senses the presence of this right and wrong external to themselves and all of us have broken it all of us fall short all of us know that we should have made choices other than the ones we made all of us realize when we've hurt ourselves by our choices and hurt other people by our choices and sometimes hurt the people that we loved by our choices and because of that we live with the guilt of that and we live with the shame of it and we need someone to save us because we can't do it ourselves we realize we are broken inside this moral dilemma this moral problem which we have that we are sinners the Savior Jesus comes to address this is the kind of Savior he is this is the kind of King he is He's a king who not only reigns in David's throne, a king not only with great power, but he is the king who came to save us from our sin. Where are you going to find forgiveness if you don't come to him? The truth is, all the way back to the first part of the Bible and through all the promises of God about the one who is to come, there is this understanding that he is the deliverer. And he is not just for Jews, he's for Gentiles and everybody in the room. And so Christmas is really about not just believing the miracle, but receiving the Savior. You know, at Bethlehem, the inn was too full. There was no room for him in the inn. John says he came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but... To as many as received him, whoever they are, he gives them power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. I hope you're one of those this Christmas who has truly worshipped the Christ child in this way. You have received him as your personal Lord and Savior, confessing your sin and receiving the forgiveness he offers through his death upon the cross. This is a wonderful king. Aren't you glad we have a king like this?
Joseph is a marvelous example to us. Every time he gets instructions from God, he just does them. And that's what he does here. The angel tells him, go ahead, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. 
And he follows the instructions of the angel that he receives in the dream, and he does it. And over again, this is true about Joseph. Now, part of receiving the Savior is following through. Everybody has hard times. Everybody has difficulties, disappointments, disturbances, and sorrow. It comes upon us all. And sometimes when trouble comes, we push away. We push away from prayer. We push away from the church. We push away sometimes from our family and the people that love us. Sometimes we just push away from God when trouble comes, when sorrow comes, and we don't understand it. We have perplexities. That's the wrong response. Joseph has a lot to deal with, and he'll continue to deal with it the rest of his life. These circumstances aren't going to go away. It's not going to be easy. But he follows through with what the angel says. He does as the angel instructs him, and he reaps the benefit of that. This is a time not to push away when trouble comes, but to lean in. It's a time to trust God. To believe that He loves you and cares about you. And that He's with you in your journey no matter how difficult it may be. Christmas worship is you not pushing God away, but leaning in and saying, Lord, these are the circumstances of my life. But I need you. And so I'm trusting you in the here and now. And I'm going to cling to you whatever comes because you are the king and you are my life and you are my savior. We always conclude our worship service with a time of response where you have an opportunity to say, you know what, I want to trust Christ as savior or I want to make public my faith and follow through with baptism or I'm ready to follow through and become part of what God's doing in his church. And if God's prompting you to do that, we're going to provide a time of response now for you to do just that. Let's stand together. There's a place to check, have a pastor call me. And if you'd like to respond to this message by saying, okay, I want to talk a little bit more. I want to have a dialogue with you. 
about what this means, how Jesus can be my Savior. Check that little box and fold that little tab in half and put it in the offering plate in just a moment, okay? We're going to receive our offering. This offering supports what you just heard, the proclamation of the gospel right here at First Baptist and throughout our city and all of our CareEffect venues and all the work that we do right here. And it also goes from here around the world through people that we know and love who are proclaiming the gospel today in the Middle East and Africa and Europe and South America and all over Asia. And it's amazing what God is doing around the world. So we are giving that the Savior born at Bethlehem may be known in all the nations of the earth. Lead us in our prayer, Michael. Prayer. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, thank you for even being with us in this moment. We worship you with our lives. We worship you with our actions, our thoughts, our words. And we worship you with our offerings now. Take these gifts and use them here in New Orleans and around the world. In Jesus' name.
Thanks again for joining us today. My name's Nathan, and before you go, here's what's happening at FBNO. Hey everybody, FBNO is hosting our annual birthday party for Jesus on Saturday, December 10th from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Infants through sixth grade will participate in an interactive biblical time celebration of Jesus' birth. This event features cookie decorating, a carpentry craft, pizza, and even a birthday cake with candles for Jesus. The cost of the event is just $5 per child. If you're a youth, college student, or an adult, you can help make this a fun night for our kids by signing up to lead groups or rotation centers. You can register to help or register your child today at fbno.org. We look forward to seeing you at Birthday Party for Jesus. Your neighbors are going to be asking, when is Keyboards at Christmas? And the answer is December 11 at 6 p.m. Can you remember that? Put that down in your phone, all right? You can get your tickets today in the lobby as you depart the church. Don't forget to do that or go to fbno.org keyboards. Act quickly, though, because those best tickets, I'm always amazed every year how quickly they sell out. It's going to be The Light Has Come, those four grand pianos, great musical variety. You're going to love it. We'll see you there. Tim, we've got a Christmas Eve service. What time is it? 5 o'clock. So we're going to do Christmas Eve on Saturday night at 5 o'clock. That's going to be great. Yes. We want you at Christmas Eve. But what about Christmas, Christmas morning? Christmas morning, one service. One service. 9.30. One service at 9.30 for Christmas morning. Okay. We want you to remember this. I tell you what, you've done a great job. This has been great. This has been wonderful. Choir, you're wonderful. The instruments were wonderful. Thank you for giving, I tell you. It was terrific. We appreciate it. Lots and lots of hard work right here. Thank you, choir. You're wonderful. All right. Have a wonderful holiday season, wonderful Christmas. God bless you. We are dismissed. It's Christmas. Joy to